Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and JC, and we are back for another week. What episode is this, Nate? I don't even remember. 83, I believe. 83. Guys, you realize we've almost been doing this two years now? Unbelievable. Yeah, that's hard to believe. I love it. We've been sitting down almost every week, minus that little sabbatical, for almost two years, looking at the camera and talking to each other. What a journey. It's been fun. And talking to a whole lot of people around the world. I love hearing from them, too. Yeah, Yeah. it's absolutely incredible to think about what started as just a conversation has grown now to become so many conversations, people who agree and people who disagree. I was talking to Clint this week, Nate. I'm pretty sure you sat down with Clint, the guy that we started the podcast at the very first episode. We were at the studio there in Chattanooga. All three of us were in, and we recorded like nine hours worth of episodes in that one (laughs) night. We were so dead to the world. But he said, could y'all have ever imagined that it would turn out to what you started that night and just sitting down recording and just seeing how God has just taken this thing. I love when dreams become reality, when a prayer for doing something turns into something absolutely incredible. And, you know, we don't know where this podcast is going. Uh, You know, we have said this a lot, that this podcast is not our identity. Um, This podcast could end tomorrow, and all three of us are going to be local pastors at a local church doing what God has called us to do, even though we feel called to do this, and this has become a ministry. And uh, I'm excited to be on this journey, and I've still not lost the excitement of sitting down and recording with you guys every week and thinking, how is this going to affect, not just right now when it's released, but 20 years from now, if the Lord tarries, somebody's going to sit down and listen to this podcast. I mean, our kids are going to be listening to this when they're older. Our grandkids are going to be listening to this because our voices are out there for 83-plus episodes. Yeah, you know, also, JC, another thing I've loved about the podcast is I never realized we were going to meet so many incredible people. Oh, I yeah. never realized I was going to meet people who would become lifelong friends, people that I would have never known and people that I'm now in talks with about being hope church planters and pastors who are being set free from fundamentalism. And, uh, by the way, um, I won't call this person's name because I would never want to embarrass them, but I had the story told to me this past week of a person who experienced a different kind of ministry because of the ministry of the RFP And this person in tears said, for the first time in my life, I realize now what real church feels like, what real relationship feels like. Those kind of stories, guys, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, it makes all the difference. And we've been hearing from a lot of people this week about this past episode Mm -hmm. on alcohol, part one, and... You know, we sat out to talk about a biblical view of alcohol, and that was what the focus was on. Yet we've had people this week accuse us of saying drunkenness isn't dangerous, of saying that, you know, we're encouraging it, we're advertising it, and man, nothing is further from the truth. We simply wanted to point out the fact that alcohol is not forbidden and condemned by God or Scripture as a sin. And there are preachers that are preaching it has been. So we've heard a lot this week from people really good and bad. And JC, I think we've heard a lot more positive than negative. 
We definitely have heard a lot of positive. In fact, we put it out on our Instagram and said, hey, you know, we want to hear from you guys just some of the thoughts that you've had on uh, this episode. We've had responses like drinking responsibly equals not a sin. Drunkenness equals a sin. Uh, I love this response. Jesus was not a bartender. Um, <laughs> he, he got that from somebody. I loved it. Thank you for bringing the entire truth to life. Uh, this guy said, good job. Sin starts in the heart, not in a bottle. Anything could be sin if it's wrong in the heart. Context, context, context. This is why I love the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. You always take it back to context. Uh, there's a few more in here. Love how biblically and humbly refuted a message like that one was the one that I've heard growing up my whole life. You guys nailed it. You know, little things like that. And and I, I'll be honest with you. I was a little hesitant when the idea of playing an Adrian Rogers message and then kind of going in and breaking that down a little bit because, I mean, there, there's still a little bit of it in me that's like, oh, my gosh, that's Adrian Rogers. Like, can we do yeah. this? And I'll be honest, right before we recorded, I was like, do we want to do this? Because we know <laughs> there are some people that are Adrian Rogers that's their hero. I mean, he was one of my heroes. Nate, you said it on the episode last week. Brian, you met him. Like that but but I love what you said, Nate, in a tweet this week. You said something like, even our heroes have to be called out at times. And uh yeah. I'm glad that you talked us into to doing it and uh it was a great episode. Hey, even our heroes are answerable to scripture, and the three of us are answerable to scripture. And if any You're of right. us uh, preach something that's against God's word. I want to know about it. I believe in my ministry, I've done it unintentionally, but I don't know of any time where I've done it intentionally or if it had been pointed out that I would have pushed back against that. The mm-hmm. Bible is our final authority, Amen. especially as pastors. So uh, we're we're all accountable to truth and it's God's truth. Well, you know, I, I think the point is this. Adrian Rogers is a great preacher consistently he preached God's word. He was faithful to scripture, but all of us have done this. He approached that subject with an agenda and, and you know, to the person this week who actually came against us pretty strongly for choosing an Adrian Rogers sermon and accused us of disrespecting Adrian Rogers, the three of us respect him immensely, his character, his integrity, he lived above reproach. He was one of the foremost preaching elders in our nation, without a doubt. But, you know, I can say this, guys. I can listen to my sermons and disagree. I mean, I could go back and listen to 100 yeah. of my past sermons and pick mm-hmm. them apart because either I approached the topic with an agenda or I didn't use Scripture correctly so, hey, it wasn't picking on Adrian Rogers. All of us at times have been guilty of that. And it just so happened in that instance, he was guilty. Being a great preacher doesn't equal being a perfect preacher. Yeah. And I think maybe we should mention a few of the, uh, not by name, but I want to mention a few of the negative responses to this. Somebody said to act like drinking alcohol can be compared to caffeine addiction or overeating is very irresponsible. The thing that blows my mind about this is this is a pastor. And he goes on, somebody else goes on to say, honest question, which is not an honest question. They say, <laughs> honest question, if there's nothing wrong or destructive about alcohol, why don't we give it to kids and teens? If Jesus made it, shouldn't kids and teens be encouraged to drink it? This is a pastor 
that's asking ridiculous, dishonest questions like that. Here's the thing. Jesus created sex. It is a good gift from God for people to enjoy Amen. within boundaries. God put boundaries on it. It's not allowed or permissible for children. It's not allowed or permissible outside of marriage. Alcohol is given as a good gift of God based on scripture that mm -hmm. fallen humans abuse. And we said clearly drunkenness is a sin, but there are people that just absolutely will not let this go. And there are people that are pushing back really hard against us. Just simply saying, don't abuse scripture. Don't twist scripture. Well, you know, let's the, be honest. That pastor has an agenda and a, a promotion of other things. So wink, wink. Yeah. That's why we don't want to mention it. Well, you know, I've, I've made a, I made a decision a long time ago not to respond to certain people like exactly. that that are not asking honest questions, that are not engaging in healthy dialogue that goes back and forth. Here, here. I, I engaged yep. with I engaged with Pastor Dallas this week, as I think both of you guys did. That yeah. dude is reasonable, level headed. He disagreed with us. He even got a little bothered at us. And mm -hmm. we went back and forth. He's a respectful man. And in the end, we ended having a great conversation. We agreed to get disagree. But man, I respect people like that, and I'll have conversations with them You're all right. day long. As a matter of fact, y'all make fun of me for it because I'm way too open. But there are certain people that I absolutely will not engage on social media because it's pointless. Well, you know, I will say this, Nathan. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All three of us believe that, right? Amen. Amen. Yep. So all three of us believe that. But I'm not sitting down with my young kids JC, you have kids, and I know at night you sing songs with them and you do devotions with them. You're not leading them through Song of Solomon. It, it's given by inspiration, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's relevant for children. So exactly. that's one of the most ignorant arguments I've ever heard. Like, I love my children. I want them to love God's word. But when they were little girls, I, was, I wasn't walking them through the garden passages and the fruit tasting passages of Song of Solomon. It's not relevant. Yeah. And here's the thing I love, guys. I was really struggling with engaging with this guy because it was such a stupid comment and blew my mind that it came from a pastor. But before I could even get on there, I think there were 18 responses by our RFP fam. And dude, like we've said before, there is some solid solid logic and they were engaging him at a level that I really didn't even have to speak into but as they were engaging him at a super solid respectful level he just keeps spouting ridiculous stuff and absolutely refuses to admit that he does not have a point especially from scripture some people just need to get off twitter completely <laughs> absolutely for their testimony's sake yeah and some people being blocked on Twitter is the wisest thing you can do because mm -hmm. blocking people is not the cardinal sin. Blocking people is a perfectly acceptable response to ignorance and trolling. And for one thing it does, it just takes that person out of our consciousness and we don't have right. to deal with it. And we can have a good spirit and we can move forward and do what God's called us to do. You know, and this is something that I want to hit on is that all three of us have a different personality, a different approach, a different take on things. We don't agree on everything just because we're good friends and we have this podcast together. There are things that, Brian, you do completely different than I would do. Nathan, <laughs> same. I mean, yeah. you know, 
that's just who we are. And one of the things that's been thrown at me a couple times this week with some things that I've posted personally is this is going to hurt the brand, the brand of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Mm -hmm. What about the brand? I'll just be straight up honest with you. I don't care about the brand. We've said this a lot. This podcast could end tomorrow, and all three of us are still pastors of a local church. Like, this podcast is us sitting down and having a conversation and inviting people into it. And, you know, there there comes a point where we don't want to just do stupid things to hurt the brand. But, you know... We're not just going to go out there and post things just to get clickbait, just to get people to come to our podcast and listen. There's things that are thought about that if we're posting it, we either fully believe it or we're thinking about it. We're praying through that, and we will say that. Um, You know, And there's been times where I have posted stuff that Brian and Nathan have have asked me, hey, what do you mean by that? What what are you posting that for? I think the... Problem comes is when you post things and, you know, the, Nathan, you said it best. That's how the liberal agenda is. Or, Brian, you may have said it. I don't know who said it. But the liberal agenda is to quiet you because they throw that guilt at you. Oh, you're hurting, hurting the RFP brand. What, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I think you're right. The three of us are not above being questioned. We're not above not reproach. At all. We give each other a hard time more than anybody else does. And, People can't see that in our private interactions, thankfully, mm-hmm. for many reasons. But <laughs> we uh, we do push back. Yeah, we push back on each other a lot. And mm-hmm. here's the thing: people don't realize. Uh, so I think you blocked somebody this week, JC, and someone said, "Oh, you can't speak into JC's life." That's bullcrap. Mm-hmm. I know people that speak into JC's life, and he receives it. They mm-hmm. people have said things to you. People have said things to Brian. And, man, you guys have contacted me, and we've had group chats with other pastors that we respect, that have our best interest at heart, that are reasonable, that are biblical, that are logical, and we let them speak into our lives. And we don't always like what they have to say. And that's something that we are open to. But anybody who opens themselves to every fool that wants to speak into their lives— they're a fool themselves, and we absolutely won't do that. And the fastest way to get me to shut down is start trying to pressure me to do something because you're not exactly. going to do it, buddy. My buttons not are not accessible to you. Preach. Man, you know, um, my Twitter, I have a, a knack for making people angry, and it always makes me <laughs> laugh that people think that my Twitter exists to please them. Um, yeah. The, you know, the thing, <laughs> exactly. is, the thing is too many pastors out there, they're they're like the vanilla base of a cookout milkshake. <laughs> Whatever fruit yes. you put in it, it takes on that flavor. Exactly. And yes. so they just try to live in every world. The difference in me is I'll actually say what I believe, whether people disagree or not. The funny thing is, yeah. I can tweet Jesus is Lord. And mm-hmm. all yep. of the guys ought to agree with that, and it'll get like, you know, <laughs> twenty five responses. I, I, Why don't you think Jesus is king? Why don't you think he's <laughs> exactly. God Almighty? So <laughs> Goodness I, post, I post heaven will be non-denominational, and it recently oh, got oh, almost 600 you know, likes or whatever. And then I had all these people coming at me for that. And by the way, guys, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but JC, I had somebody a little while back, they sent me a private message, and they said, I wouldn't have said that. And I said, well, don't worry, you didn't. <laughs> exactly i love it exactly man. we we don't back away from anything i mean yeah. uh, you know the confrontation has to happen the truth spoken 
Let's talk about some Anon accounts. Man, there's like 70 new ones that keep popping up everywhere. There's yep. some that are absolutely hilarious, and then there's some that are no one no cares. No one cares. <laughs> well, whoever that is, is absolutely incredible. I just want to go on record of saying, if I ever find out who Deacon Randy Ranger is. <laughs> that guy is annoying. I hate that stupid face and smile. And when it shows up on one of my tweets, it takes yes. every ounce of everything I have in me not to hit the block button. Because like I'll oh, tweet man. something really serious. <laughs> And then stupid Deacon Randy Ranger will say, <laughs> no one cares. I'm like, and it's oh, obvious. Then, what is it? Sister Karen? Sister Karen will oh, pop my in. Word. I love it. And it's obvious that that was created to give us a hard time. I think they oh, give yeah. everybody a hard time. But it's obvious that was created to come after us, give us a hard time. And I think it's hilarious. And there are other Anons out there that I absolutely love that blast us. And I mean, I've always got this old Bernie telling me I suck all the time. And <laughs> hey, it's it's just hilarious. What is the one that uh, I, I'm pretty sure it started out to like debunk us? It it did a lot of our sermon clips, but the more that he posts, the more we're like, uh, that's not wrong. What is that? What is that? A non-account? Real sermon. Real yeah. sermon. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's absolutely. It's totally <laughs> defeating the point of what he's trying to do. Yeah, that sounds like something a recovering fundamentalist would say. It's that. Yeah, that's it. That's it right <laughs> so, there. I this, love it. This whole Piggly Wiggly revival. Shout out. Oh, yeah. oh man. It. Well, you know the thing that Dude. cracks me up is all of these anon accounts. There's Unwise no way there that you go. all of these people are so well known that they need an anon account. So right. some of you guys, you just need to be Benaya and be willing to jump into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. If you're Let's not go. that kind of man, just shut your Twitter account down. Like, I hate shadow boxing. If I make my statement under my real name, do not come after me under an Anon <laughs> name. You better use your real name or else what you yeah. say carries no weight with me. Deacon. Guys, Randy. how crazy uh. is it? that we live in a world where the Piggly Wiggly Revival and the Hoggly Woggly Revival are across the street from each other, fighting and arguing about which <laughs> preachers are the best, whose flag is the biggest, which right. special singers there are. Man, <laughs> what a crazy black hole that Twitter can be at times that I just absolutely love. Did you see this week we got tagged in the one that said, well, that's it. The RFP guys will be serving drinks at the front door of our Piggly Wiggly revival this week or something like that. Hey, Yeah, I think that's former Fibber. Former Fibber, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, listen, sometimes you read Twitter and then you come across these kind. David Talley, this week he tweeted, well done, gentlemen. I'm a teetotaler myself. But interpreting the Bible honestly is more important than preserving a cultural standard. Imagine a world wow. without alcohol. It would still be a world polluted with sin. Abuse of alcohol just reveals what humanity is truly like. You read tweets like that, and it makes you kind of be willing to endure the cesspool oh, of yeah. all that other yeah. mess. You know, I totally went in and got just some heresy thrown at me because we're in October now. And in our house, we start Christmas music October 1st. And so I am full-blown Christmas music. And Daphne, she said, listen, I'm as fired up as anyone to bust out my Dolly Parton Christmas records, but this is a bridge too far, sir. Heresy. <laughs> I'm getting it on this. Listen, this is a hill I will die on. I'm going to listen to Christmas music from October 1st to December 21st. But December 26th? 
I'm done with it. No more. If you have a Dolly Parton <laughs> Christmas album, you have mm. no opinion on Christmas. Oh, man. <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome myself. <laughs> I love me some Dolly. Do you really? I love it. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, man. Jolene. Jolene. I'm glad you like Come on, you know, Colorado. God bless Listen, you. Listen, you want to know a fun fact about Dolly Parton? Dolly was married in Ringgold, Georgia. And every year around their anniversary, she comes back. Her and her husband come back to Ringgold, and they spend their anniversary there. And two years ago, maybe three years ago, I'm sitting at a red light, and I look over, and there's an old lady, did not have the big wig on, wasn't all dolled up, but you could tell it was Dolly. And I looked over in the car, I was like, who is that? I have seen that lady before. Then I seen her in Walgreens. I was like, my gosh, that's Dolly Parton. Like, you would have no clue. That's her without that big old wig on, but she has character, so you obviously knew it was her. Um, but yeah, we'll go with that. So, oh, boys, what are we doing? Yeah. I think it hey, might be a wanna... good time to go to the intro. Yes, yes. I think that'd be a good time to go into the intro. Y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. The Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a conviction of beans or peas to me. I, podcast. Listen, and these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalist. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical Phew. family. We are the fundamentalist. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I, I've, I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was That's right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, chump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started the movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards.
Hey, we want to thank our sponsors here on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast right up front. Free Life Soap. You can check them out today by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP and get 20% off of your order. While you're there, check out our merch store. We have Recovering Fundamentalist logo on everything that you can imagine and for your dog. It's going to be a great time on the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on it today and uh, Christmas, it's coming. You can go ahead and start shopping now for your Christmas. While you're there, check out Lootbox Creative. It's lootboxcreative.org. We thank them for being a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, lootboxcreative.org. So, by the way, speaking of uh, Free Life Soap and Miss McCribbin, guys, I took a bath and used the campfire smell and immediately felt the overwhelming need to go buy more flannel. That is a manly <laughs> smell. So what you're saying is that's soap that Calvinist would wear. Absolutely, yes. Yes. So according to some of the pastors on Twitter, a Calvinist has to have a pipe, flannel, and some glasses. Yeah, and they have they carry to carry an make, ESV. Right, and a tattoo of something religious <laughs> on their forearm. And also, they have to have a that's list it. of all theological words. So when they're drinking fair trade coffee at a coffee shop mm. with other Calvinists, they know all of the theological terms. That's important. Wearing Birkenstocks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, I don't know. The quintessential Calvinist, Charles Spurgeon, preferred cigars. So he did. I, I don't know if a cigar isn't a little bit better than a pipe. <laughs> I would kind of agree with that. You know what I love about Spurgeon? A lady asked Spurgeon once if he smoked too much, and he said, Ma'am, when you see me with two cigars in my mouth at one time, you'll know I smoke too much. <laughs> I also read a story when Moody met Spurgeon. He said, oh, I see it's true. You smoke cigars. And Spurgeon poked Moody's belly and said, oh, I see it's true. You eat too much. <laughs> yes. I love it. Real dudes. And that's kind of, you know, a part of a segue into this issue on alcohol. You know, we, yeah. had, we had the guy who said, why would you compare eating too much with with drinking how could you ever do such a thing and i would say to that pastor you know you might should read the bible before you actually attempt to teach it uh proverbs yeah. chapter 23 verses 20 and 21 be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags mm. so i think that's the perfect segue into this this conversation because People want to put sins in different categories or their view of sins in different categories when really, when yeah. you look at it biblically, it changes your entire perspective. Not to mention that Charles Spurgeon felt the liberty to smoke tobacco, and mm -hmm. that could fall into an issue of health if it is abused, and it also falls into the area of Christian liberty because it's not strictly forbidden. Uh, so, you know, there, there are many things that we could talk about in that, but last episode, I love it because we took everything back to scripture and we want mm -hmm. to do the same thing in this episode, but this episode, we're going to be talking about what all of these other pastors should be talking about. And that is the dangers of drunkenness. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, when it comes to the dangers of alcohol, there's a thought that always comes to my mind is the drunk you, the real you. And I kind of think that, you know, alcohol doesn't necessarily bring anything out of a person that wasn't already there. Uh, I think the heart is always a tap keg of any anger, lust, profanity that pours out of it. 
And when you get a person drunk, what's in them just comes out of them a little bit more freely. You you hear people all the time yeah. talk about drunkenness is the truth serum. I mean, why do people either get really mean or get really happy or they get really emotional? You know, you see different phases of people when they get drunk. And why is that? Because there are side effects to drunkenness. And we talked about it last week. Drinking alcohol is not the sin, but the act of drunkenness is the sin. And we want to talk about who's the true you when you get drunk. You know, what are what are some mm. of those things well, you that know, come out of you, if you will? Well, you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, mm. adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So mm. it's not what goes into the body. I mean, you know, he was teaching that what goes into the body, it comes, I think the old King James says, comes out of the drought. <laughs> uh, I think we mm-hmm. all know what that means. I don't think we need to talk about, about bowel movements. But, um, you know, what goes in the body comes out of the body, but it's what's in us and our sinful nature that comes out. That's what ultimately defiles us. And I think when we get caught up on exterior things versus interior sinful issues, I think we always miss the mark because it's so much easier to meet a few outward standards than it is to live in total dependence on the Holy Spirit for the purpose of Mm. inward holiness. Mm. Yeah. I was talking to my wife this morning, and I was so proud of her because she told me that she listened to the podcast and she said, you guys did a really good job. And we talked about some different aspects of it. And she said, you know what really bothers me the most about these preachers twisting scripture to fit their narrative about alcohol? I said, what is it? She said, the real issue is not what they're doing on the outside. She said, the real issue is the heart of man. The real issue is fallen man. Sin comes from the inside and the reason we commit any sin is because it's in our heart. And she said the reason people are alcoholics is because of the sin in their heart. And the reason people do other things, uh, whether it's sexual sin, sexual abuse, whether they have anger issues, whatever, it's all coming from the heart. And the, the independent fundamental Baptist world that I grew up in was so focused on behavior modification and so focused on external appearances that they weren't really preaching to the heart of man. It's true. Well, you know, JC said something last week, and uh, JC, I hadn't had a chance to, to tell you this, but you said something last week that really stuck with me and that I've thought a lot about. You said anything that takes the place of God, anything yeah. that becomes a God in your life other than the one true God. Uh, you know, Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 teaches that even our belly can become our God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to belabor this point, but I used to hear severely obese pastors and evangelists who actually made jokes about their obesity, you know, their Mm. gravy sopping, biscuit eating, full strength, coffee drinking, slobber, slinging, sweat, dripping, whatever all that is. And they would actually... like a Dunkin' Donuts support group. Yes. They would actually make jokes... (laughs) about their obesity, you know, with regard to what JC said. And then Nathan, when you can, when you couple that with what you just said, what happens is we make a big issue about the sins that other people deal with versus Mm. the sin that we deal with. 
And um, actually, you know, JC, when you said that last week, anything that replaces God, I've been thinking about all week long my need to, to eat less, that I've been working so mm-hmm. hard that I stress eat, which means I'm going to food for comfort instead of going to God. Um, when I'm anxious and I'm struggling with anxiety, that's when I crave the most unhealthy things I ever put in my mouth, which means yeah. I'm, I'm not yielding my anxiety to Jesus and resting in the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God. I'm looking for an immediate solution. So, you know, you saying that last week, not only made me think about the truth of that, but it made me think about that personally. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was a great point. And uh, it was John Calvin that says the heart of man is an idol factory. And we literally were created to worship. So mm. if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something. Ultimately, mm. most of our worship reflects back at ourselves, which is why we commit sins like gluttony, drunkenness, uh, adulteries, all these other things. But it's all about what we worship. So, JC, that was a great point. And guys, I really want us to get down to business this week because we all agree that the Bible declares that drunkenness is a sin, that alcohol is dangerous. There are numerous warnings in the Bible about alcohol and about drunkenness and about how we handle these issues. So, Brian, why don't you start us off? What does the Bible have to say about the dangers of drunkenness? Well, um, I think before this podcast reaches an end, all of us will quote a lot of scripture. But if I can just bring some points out of scripture that, uh, that I actually pin down, because I ask myself the question, when does alcohol or when does drinking alcohol become a sin? At what point mm-hmm. is that true? When it becomes a coping mechanism, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. When it becomes an addiction, yeah. it's a sin. When it offends a fellow believer, it's a sin. When it lowers your awareness of other sins, it's a sin. When mm. it hinders the gospel, it's a sin. And when you aren't honest about your weaknesses, it's a sin. And mm, yeah. when you go through all of the scripture in the Bible, and you kind of look at those scriptures from various angles, whether those scriptures be specifically about alcohol or also about addiction as a whole, when those points are drawn from scripture, it kind of becomes a roadmap to help you avoid slipping into sinful behavior. Contrary to what the Twitter verse had to say this week, Uh, especially over the last few days, it's not our intention to convince anybody to partake in alcohol. That is a personal Mm -hmm. decision. Mm -hmm. My intention is to convince people that the Bible does not strictly forbid it or call it a sin. That when God wrote Scripture, He wrote many, many, many pages, many different books of Scripture through many different authors, and He could have chosen in one sentence... He could have put it in the commandments to say, thou shalt not drink alcoholic beverage. And yet he did not choose to do that. He could have given us a verse that was extremely clear to point that out, yet he did not. But multiple times throughout scripture, he forbids drunkenness and debauchery and excess and abuse. 
And that is a sin. Brian, you just mentioned a lot of things, a lot of areas that it becomes a sin. Another area is when it cannot be done out of faith. There are people whose consciences are seared with a hot iron because pastors have twisted scripture and they have a conscience issue with it. Until you get that resolved, you need to leave it alone because the Bible says anything that cannot be done out of faith is a sin. So you talk about broadening the the playing field there. It is a conscience issue. It's a sin to go against your conscience. So anything we do should be done out of faith. But the thing is, once you understand what the Bible truly says, then you're free to make decisions about that, and you can exercise your faith. But even if you don't believe it's a sin based on Scripture, which I believe is the proper biblical view, that doesn't necessarily result in you're going to automatically become a drinker. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you, you need to make a beer run or you need to run to the liquor store and celebrate this newfound liberty. It is a dangerous thing, even for people who choose to do it and people who haven't done it and then all of a sudden decide they can do it, there has to be boundaries just like there do with with all of God's good gifts. I believe what James 2.8 says, you know, in the King James, it says, if you fulfill the law according to scriptures, you will love your neighbor as yourself as we all do. And in looking at that, I mean, Christians have a responsibility to regulate all of our behavior in every area of our life according to the law of love, which is to love our neighbor. So drinking should be handled with prayer and careful consideration, in my opinion, you know, when it comes to doing things like that. And one of the things we heard a lot this week was, how are other people, how are sinners, how is the world going to view a Christian drinking, you know? And, And that's something that I think is a great accountability for all of us, you know, um, whether you drink or not, what is it going to be viewed at outside of your private home or if you're doing that in public? A quick story, uh, a few years ago, I took a couple worship leaders uh, to the Atlanta Braves game, and uh, they got a beer from from our old church. They got a beer, and they said, are you going to get a beer? And I was like, well, you know, if I do, sometimes out here in the Braves game, I'll put it in a Coke cup. Not that I'm ashamed of the fact I'm drinking a beer, but that fact of what I just read about, I wanted to come across not making a, a, not a weaker brother or sister, but somebody that struggles with alcohol. I don't know who they are, but in looking at that, I put it in a Coke cup and and looked at him and I said, guys, you never know who's watching you. I said, you're always going to have people that are watching you. Not the fact that we're ashamed that we're drinking, but we aren't able to give an account and be held accountable to everybody all the time. And I don't want somebody to, you guys know how this is. uh, When people take one thing that we tweet, we talked about this earlier, and they'll spin it to say something completely different. Somebody sees me sitting at a Braves game, takes a picture, posts that. Point being, I'm sitting here at this game. We're sitting next to a family. They're two seats down from us. It's the fifth inning. I hadn't talked to these folks. I didn't even look at them, honestly, until, like, I I mean, they sat next to us. Fifth inning, a foul ball gets hit our way. I go to catch it. The the young boy catches it sitting next to me, and they look over and said, man, you about had that ball, JC. And I was like, what? And I looked at them, and they're like, they said, oh, we go to your church. We're part of another campus. I was like, whoa. I looked down at the two worst leaders. I said, see what I was telling you? You never know who's going to be around you, watching you. And I believe that has to hold us accountable in every facet, in every area of our life, not just when it comes to alcohol. Well, you know, I think part of the issue is this. 
Uh, let's just be honest. There's a whole culture that's been built around alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about this subject, we're being specific about alcohol in and of itself. I think a lot of people, when they hear the word alcohol, they automatically think around about the culture that's been built around alcohol. And let me just say this. There are places a Christian has no business being. There are situations that Christians have no business being in. There's a whole sinful culture that shouldn't even have an appeal to the people mm-hmm. of God. There are places built around debauchery. There are activities right. built around sinful indulgence. And the Holy Spirit in us should be grieved more so than the flesh we have being satisfied when we engage in, in those activities. And so, so let me just say, when we're talking about alcohol, I can't speak for both of you guys, but that culture that is around alcohol, the hookup culture, the party culture, the, um, the drug culture, a lot Mm -hmm. of the music culture and those things. Um, I won't know part of any of that. Um, just, as a child of God, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good for me. And then to follow up on your point, JC, we had a young guy who used to attend um, Hope Church, and uh, one day he was actually talking to another guy who was expressing that uh, he liked to go out and have a drink. And the other guy said, "I can't. For me, that's a sin." And so the guy who was talking about enjoying a drink said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I used to be an alcoholic." And if one drop were to ever touch my tongue, I wouldn't stop until it ruined my life and everyone's lives in my life. Mm. It was a great moment for that other guy because it taught him when I'm around this individual, I -hmm. have a responsibility not to flaunt any liberty that I might have with regard to alcohol. So I think people need to understand our context. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few areas you've got to pay attention to if you do exactly what you just talked about, Brian. I think if you do decide to drink, you should guard against the progressive nature of alcoholism, which is really the tendency to move from free choice to chemical addiction. Wow. If that's in your family, you've, you've got to pay attention to that. I mean, you've got to be aware. Is there family history related to alcoholism? You know, And can that increase my chances of, of me losing control? Are there people in my world that by me drinking or posting pictures of me drinking or having a beer or whiskey is going to be a stumbling block? I, I think this one is very important to understand that minors should obey the law and abstain from any use of alcohol. Um, let's be honest. We are fooling ourselves if we think there are not high schoolers, heck, even middle schoolers that aren't drinking alcohol. I've been a student pastor almost 18 years. There are students, middle school and high school students, not just college students, that are drinking alcohol. There are high schoolers getting hammered every weekend. Um, you know, we, we've got to pay attention to this stuff. And I think we got to remember the advice that Paul gives about stumbling blocks. And, you know, that's why I wouldn't do it at a Braves game because I don't want to be a stumbling block. I think the question that we got to ask ourselves isn't what may or may not be permissible. I think the self that's a self-centered approach in certain aspects. I think that we should ask our choice, 
how we communicate our perspectives might impact other people that are around us. And I think if you love Jesus, you love people, and you're going to ask that. You're, you're going to look at how is this decision affecting other people. And I think that goes back to so many other areas in our life. I'll be honest with you. That's why I was convicted months ago about the sin of gluttony. Like, it's affecting people in my life. Am I going to be around for my grandkids? Am I going to be around for my kids when they're older? You know, that what I'm putting into my body in a food, uh, it's sexual, who you're sleeping with, who you're hooking up with. I mean, you know, that's a decision that has a ripple effect in so many different areas, not just what you're drinking. And so I think what we have to realize is this, this functional God in our life, it all goes back to choices that we make, and we've got to pay attention to the ripple effect that it is causing around us. Yeah, it does. We've talked about this, and we all have people in our lives, in our family, who struggle with addictions, and mm -hmm. we have to be careful not to flaunt that in front of them. That doesn't mean that we cannot exercise our liberties. And right. this is a verse, you mentioned Romans, Romans chapter 14. This verse was used against us this week on social media because they clearly misunderstood the context and they left out part of it. As a matter of fact, we had discussed listening to the second part of the sermon by Adrian Rogers because there's a second part called the battle of the bottle after the misery of the bottle. And in that sermon, one of the verses that he quotes out of context and leaves the next verse out because it suited his purpose was Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 20. I just want to read this because it, it brings both sides of this debate to light. Verse 20 says, Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. He's talking about food and drink. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Let's keep reading. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. So pastor's trying to enforce this verse in Romans 14 to say you can't sit at home and drink a beer. And that's exactly what Adrian Rogers did. He said, so if you're sitting in your home and you pop open a beer and you say you can drink it because you have liberty, you're causing your brother to stumble. Well, that's exactly against what Paul says. Verse 22, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts, is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So that's part of the issue we really have to deal with. The weaker brother, first of all, is not allowed to be a pastor. Pastors are called to be mature. Mm -hmm. Teachers, elders are called to be mature teachers who have grown in their faith. So you're not allowed to run around and be a weaker brother and tell people what they can and can't do because you don't like it. And we, we have an episode called The Tyranny of the Weaker Brother. If anybody has uh, any questions about that, please go back and listen to it. Even if you've listened to it, go back and listen to it again because there are a lot of people that are trying to do that. And also, that doesn't mean that any weaker brother who's a legitimate weaker brother who has a weakness for whatever reason, if it's addiction or he's young in his faith— that doesn't mean they get to run around and tell everybody else what they can and can't do in private or what views they hold. That means we just need to not cause a brother to stumble in sin. You can apply that or misapply that, I should say, to a fault. 
because it could get to the point in our in our Christian culture something offends almost everybody. Yeah, You're right. I mean, you know, think about it. Don Green would have been offended by wire rim glasses. So should <laughs> you have gone and and gotten, you know, different glasses? Um, I heard him preach at a meeting one time, and uh, Nathan, you were probably there, and we didn't even know each other then. But he preached on, you know, parting your hair in the middle and using hairspray. So does that mean you're supposed to go home and change your hairstyle? Um, A lot of people did. Yeah, Amish people are offended by buttons. Um, So does that mean Mm -hmm. you're going to stop wearing buttons? I I think, you know, we can get carried away with, you know, this offends me. I'm offended by this. And we start to live our lives in light of offending people versus being led by the Holy Spirit. And so I think there's also balance even in that. But when we take scripture in context, it's scripture that becomes the warning signs. It's scripture that that becomes weighty in our lives and protects us from sinning against God. And one of the scriptures that God should use in all of our lives with regard to drunkenness and even other sins is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Mm. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were Mm. some of you. But you were Mm -hmm. washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So when God changes your life and you start to live in light of Scripture, you start to live in light of His glory, guys, I don't want to just focus on drunkards. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get caught up in immorality. I don't want to get caught up in idolatry or adultery or or being a thief or greed or anything else. I think sometimes we have a tendency to isolate. And so this person says, this offends me. And they name one sin in isolation, but, but we're called to be holy. And that includes a lot more than, than just drinking alcohol. And we've been talking for two episodes now about what the Bible has to say, but apart from biblical restrictions, there are a lot of reasons to choose not to drink alcohol. Let's just be honest, guys. Uh, People who choose not to drink alcohol from a free and clear conscience based on what Scripture says, man, what a great decision. You can actually avoid the risk and the possibility of addiction and drunkenness and causing a brother to stumble and things like that. It's actually the easier position. Let's be honest. It's the easier position just to say, I'm never going to touch it than is to say, hey, I'm going to try to walk according to the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit, and take all these other factors into account. And if you look at what Scripture does have to say, Proverbs 20, verse 1, clearly says, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So being led astray is unwise. Wine mocks those who abuse it. So there is danger associated with that. Someone said this week that that we said it wasn't dangerous. That's absolutely not true. There are Mm -hmm. plenty of warnings in Scripture where it talks about 
the dangers of alcohol that that you can be deceived by that that it that it bites like a serpent it stings like an adder so there are a lot of things that would make people say hey you know what i've had addiction in my family i'm just not going to go there great decision people that are going to say you know what it might cause someone to stumble i'm at a church that most people think it's a sin so culturally i choose to not partake uh, because of cultural reasons man what a great decision but for a man to stand in a pulpit or for someone to sit at a table with another brother in christ and say you're a sinner when they're not disobeying god's word or they try to put more restrictions and uh, legalism on people, that is wrong. And that's really what we've been speaking about. Well, if I can just make this statement, I jotted this down the other day, guys. Christians can never be casual or careless with things or issues that hold the potential to be or become sin. So anything that holds the potential to become sin, we should never approach it carelessly or casually mm -hmm. or haphazardly I, th I think we always have to live with our guard up with with regard to what we look at with regard to what we say what we partake in the environments that we allow ourselves to be in mm -hmm. the people that we allow ourselves to be around and you know speaking of environments I think uh, something that we also have to pay attention to is the context of geographically where we're at yes um i know for me and we we talk to missionaries all the time that grow up ifb and have this idea that alcohol any sip of it is completely taboo you're going to hell when they get to the mission field they realize that it's a cultural thing and uh, you know I've, I've had conversations with missionaries that really struggled with this idea of alcohol but it's a cultural thing uh, point in case there's a church in Moldova uh, that I went to for five years. You sit down at a restaurant and there's a bottle of wine, just like a restaurant here would bring out a bottle of water uh, or chips and salsa. Like a bottle of wine is what starts in your stomach. You know, that's that's just what they do. And for me, I'm sitting here going, I can't do this. You know, I mean, I remember coming right out of the IFB and there's a bottle of wine sitting there and everybody's drinking it. And I'm like, all of these heathens, you know, but it's it's what they do to start their meal. It's the first thing. And I think a lot of that comes back to context also. Now, they weren't drinking to get drunk. It's how they start their meal in Moldova. It's something for the belly that prepares their belly for the food, um, you know, which almost makes scripture seem truthful. Um, and, you know, in, in that, those regards. But we've talked to so many missionaries that when they get to the mission field, uh, I, I could think of five right off the top of my head that we've had conversations with um, who are have a different approach to alcohol now because of being on the mission field. And they realize that what they were taught versus the culture that they live in is two totally different things. Yeah, and that illustrates another great point that it was a cultural thing in Scripture uh, because mm -hmm. the Jewish people, the Hebrew people have always partaken in alcohol. We see that in scripture. We learn that through cultural studies, but we see examples throughout scripture and history where people abused alcohol and it was a sin. It was a danger of drunkenness. For example, Lot and his daughters, that story is disgusting. Yeah. It's mm. disturbing. And if that doesn't warn you about the dangers of drunkenness, I don't know what will, but that is something that happened 
and it caused him to be drunk. It was intentional, getting someone else drunk, and it resulted in disaster, not just temporary disaster for him, but for ages and throughout Scripture, it, it, it created all sorts of problems for God's people. Uh, we also see Noah. When Noah was drunken, this set out this path of sin for his son, for his wife, for his family that resulted in all sorts of horrible things. It wasn't that he drank alcohol. It was that he abused alcohol. He was drunken. So the Bible's full of stories of the dangers of drunkenness. Uh, Nathan, I, I agree with you that uh, drunkenness definitely led to horrible decisions which had implications for generations. You know, you know, Brian, Lot's wife was assaulted. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> that's <Sorry>. terrible. <laughs> that's a Brian joke. My bad. So, JC, don't blame that joke on me, buddy. That was not a Brian <laughs> joke. You own that one, dude. I promise. I own it. I own it. But to go back to what you were saying, JC, about, um, you know, us looking at alcohol from a cultural perspective. Um, you know, we come from the Bible belt. And so we typically look at things from a Bible belt perspective. And then we even uh, have a narrower view. We come from an Appalachian influenced Bible belt perspective. You know, I heard John Piper say something um, that definitely relates to that. John Piper said that he chooses to teetotally abstain from alcohol altogether. But when in Germany, he would receive alcohol from a host rather than offend the host and lose a gospel opportunity. Mm -hmm. I just think that puts it in great perspective that often we look from a cultural perspective rather than a biblical perspective. You're right. And I don't know, that just spoke volumes to me. And I think as we continue on in this series about alcohol next week, uh, we've got two gentlemen that are going to be on. They have a podcast called Beer and Bible, and they're going to be on talking about that subject. And then in two weeks, uh, we're going to have some missionaries, some friends, some folks that literally lived exactly what you just talked about, Brian. And uh, I'm excited to continue on in this series as we talk about a biblical perspective of alcohol. Yeah, this is something that's affected all of us, all of our families, our listeners, many missionaries in the IFB world. And guys, I'm excited about diving deeper into it. And JC, I just want to tell you, you sat there and drank a Coke this entire time we've been recording this podcast. I am fasting from Coke this year, believe it or Sugar not, free. any and all Coke products. And you're sitting there drinking a Coke, which I love Cokes of all. In the South, we call everything that's carbonated Coke. So um, <laughs> if we have some listeners up north, they're confused. Pepsi's Coke, everything's Coke. Sprite's Coke, Mountain Dew's Coke, everything is Coke. Mm -hmm. But I haven't had any Cokes this year. And I'm looking forward to New Year because I'm going to have a, a different perspective next year. I'm definitely going to introduce, maybe have one cheat day next year. Well, yeah. you know, I was looking forward to hearing... YouTube blow up and people say, J.C. Groves, just to be a smart aleck, drank that mixed drink through the entire recording. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, shame on you. It, it was Coke the whole time. And, and last week, my bottle right here was sweet tea. 
<laughs> uh, JC, you should probably just stop drinking anything because we don't want you to offend somebody. It's it's clickbait. There's you, your there's you your screen grab. Well, my my bad. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors here on the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, Free Life Soap and Loot Box Creative. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org and find both of our sponsors of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. Guys, I love being on this podcast with you. I love our family, the RFP fam, our patrons of Patreon. And uh, this is just an incredible movement that God is continuing to teach us and grow us as we are learning and talking about issues that have been really taboo and kind of the elephants in the church for a long time. And if you don't talk about them, you're never going to figure out what you believe or why you believe it. And we want folks to own their faith. And uh, I'm excited that us three get to have a conversation around a microphone and extend the conversation to hopefully start smaller conversations and folks to really get an understanding of why they believe what they believe. That's the goal of everything we're doing here, isn't it? Amen. Yep. So in summary to the last two weeks of episodes on alcohol, number one, honor God's word and be faithful to teach God's word. Number two, use wisdom when -hmm. you approach this issue and when you decide how to deal with this issue, approach it prayerfully and honor God and honor your brother. Number three, let's always record at night so nobody's mowing right outside again. That sounds good. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I was just getting ready to say. Shout out to Braden. He's out there on the mower doing a great job. He is job tearing for us. it up. How big he is that is yard? He is doing great. Come on, man. It's big. <laughs> I was getting ready to say the the, the grass at Gospel Light's going to be looking good Sunday. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, thanks for being here with us on this episode of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Until next week. Cheers. Be sweet. I'm offended. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.